And then the great gift of this sabbatical has been that it clarified what is the essential question. The essential question is the question of faith. It's the singular question, the essential question, the question of faith. And the, the phrasing of this question that haunted me over the last three months was taken from Isaiah 30, 15. You may, may remember we, we spent some time in May reflecting on this. Um, Thus says the Lord, in returning and rest you shall be saved, and quietness and trust shall be your strength. And we, we meditated on that for three or four weeks. We neglected the final phrase of that verse, which is then the one that I reflected on over the course of the sabbatical, which says, the Lord is saying to Judah, but you were not willing. You were not willing to return to me. You were not willing to. You were not willing to, to rest in me. You were not willing to listen. You were not willing to trust. And so that became a question for me. Am I willing to trust the Lord again? That's the question to Judah in that context. They're the people of God, but some new adversity, some new crisis is coming to their life. Are they willing to trust the Lord again? Are you willing, am I willing to trust the Lord again today for whatever it is that comes to mind when you say, I don't know? Are you willing to trust the Lord again today for that? This is going to be the central question of our lives. This is the central question of our lives, and therefore the question of faith needs to be regularly asked. It needs to be regularly asked. We looked at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 a little bit last week, where the author of Hebrews says that this, uh, this rest, living in a way that is trusting in what God has done and what He's doing and what He's promised to do in your life, resting in Him by faith, is something that's available to the people of God every day. And it says that it's sort of in a tongue-in-cheek, uh, I think Hebrews is a big sermon, so he's sort of trying to break it up with a little bit of humor. He says that the Lord has set apart a certain day on which He wants everybody to put their faith in the Lord and rest in Him. And He's called that day today. Every day. The question of faith comes to us. And I think it's also interesting to just note, we didn't talk about this last week, but in Hebrews chapter 4, the book of Hebrews is written to persecuted Christians. It's written to persecuted Christians. It's written to people who are suffering for their faith, who are, the author of Hebrews is saying, hey, today, every day, it's okay if you're struggling. It's okay if you struggled yesterday. It's okay if you're worried today. Ask the question of faith. And this isn't, uh, the question of faith is not a, uh, wrestling with this is not a mark of weakness as we might think it to be, right? We're much more comfortable with being people who can uh, sort of act like we have the answers of faith and we don't have any struggles, we don't have any questions in this way. We all want to be people who have answers. But this isn't something that just some of us struggle with. This is something that even, um, as we saw in 1 Kings 19, even Elijah, Elijah the great prophet of God, struggled with as well. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to 1 Kings 19. I just want to review chapter 18 very briefly. We talked about this more extensively last week, so I hope that if you weren't here last week, that you'll read 1 Kings 18 and 19 and go back and listen to last week's sermon. Come back into this one again as well. But at the beginning of 1 Kings 18, Elijah is in a very fragile position. The odds are heavily stacked against him. He is the only prophet of God in the entire kingdom of the nation of Israel. And on the other, other, other teams, there's hundreds of other prophets. 400 prophets of Baal. These are the top prophets of Baal show up for the, the, uh, 
the con conflict at Mount Carmel, and 400 prophets of Asherah show up. And that's just the top two of the gods, the top priests of the top gods in Israel. There's hundreds, if probably not thousands, of priests for all of the pagan idols and only one prophet of God. And at the time of 1 Kings 18, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel and the military might of Israel are hunting Elijah across the face of the land trying on, on capture and kill missions. But then as we see over the course of chapter 18, God leads Elijah to, to put together a great confrontation where he stands before the leaders of Israel. He says, if the Lord is God, then follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. I won't tell that whole story again. You've got to read 1 Kings 18. It is a spectacular chapter. After this great, this great confrontation, of course, the Lord emerges victorious. All the people of Israel bow down, fall on their faces, and say, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. You've got to think from, from Elijah's perspective, right? This is everything that he's been working for and praying for. Right? He's been, God has been keeping him from these capture-kill missions. He's been off on his own, praying and fasting, reflecting, crying out to the Lord. This is what all of his heart has been in. Lord God, display your glory so everybody can see it and, and recognize who you are and, and turn from their wicked ways. And, and Lord, purge the land of all the false, false prophets. And all in one moment, God does this. And so when we come to chapter 19, this, what we see here is a sudden and surprising shift. Let's read verses 1 to 5 again this morning. So right after, right after that great victory, we come to 19.1. And King Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah was afraid. And he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. So he leaves the nation of Israel, enters the kingdom of Judah, where it's safe to be a worshiper of Yahweh. He leaves his servant there, gives him six months severance, says you should be okay, find another prophet. It was, you were great, here's a reference. And then Elijah himself went a day's journey further south into the wilderness and came and sat down under a scraggly juniper but broom tree called there, and he asked there that he might die. Saying, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm no better than my father's. What just happened? What on earth just happened to Elijah? Choose this day whom you will serve, if the Lord is God. And now, I just, it's enough. It's enough. I think Elijah has, maybe this is too much of a testimonial, but I think Elijah has a multi-front multi faith crisis in this moment where all of a sudden it just lands on him where he says, you know, God, I just, whatever it is that's needed, I guess, I don't have it. Maybe the problem's me, Maybe it's them. I mean, this people, they're just so... I mean, how can, how can what happened on Mount Carmel, fire falling from God, from the, from the sky, how can that happen and Jezebel be like, I don't care? Maybe they're just so broken and so hard, there's no hope for them or for the situation. And, and beneath that is you who have served in a church and prayed for things for a long time. There's another lurking question, a question of faith, which is, God, maybe the problem's me, 
but I kind of thought that we were working together on this. I kind of thought I was doing your will. I mean, don't, don't you want the things that I've been praying for as well? Maybe the problem's not just me. And so Elijah, his faith hits this multi-front faith crisis and it withers dramatically. Which is kind of how that happens, isn't it? You know, it's interesting. I was reflecting on this a little more this week. And well, you read chapter 18 and you read about Elijah, right? He's just, oh, he just seems like a guy at the peak of on fire for the Lord and strong in the Lord and full of faith. How's he really doing, though? How's he really doing? You know, you look around at people in your life and you think, oh, boy, they're just they're walking with the Lord. How are, they, how are they really doing? Look at chapter 19 here, verse 10. The same, it's really interesting. Verse 10 is repeated word for word in verse 14. In answer to the Lord's question to Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? He says, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. You hear what's in there? What's how he's really been doing? God, I'm knocking myself out here for you. Nothing is happening. Nothing's working. I'm the only one doing it. And now they're trying to kill me. That's how, he, that's how he's really doing. You've got to think about this question a little more often, perhaps, than we want to. And I think this is a, in a, an appropriate reflection. It was certainly appropriate for me over sabbatical and continues to be obviously this is the essential question but i think it's also good for fellowship bible church to be considering as well for you because as i mentioned last week you know we just came through two years uh, of what was a unique amount of trials and chaos and 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 difficulties over the last couple years for for our lifetime my lifetime i guess Uh, and we came through it relatively intact even stronger in some ways and then we just came through a pastoral sabbatical and and the church is doing really well and i'm so thankful for that and that's really really great but then all you need to do is spend about a half a minute in front of a, a news channel and they'll tell you that well that's fine but tomorrow is coming and tomorrow's going to be a lot worse than whatever you thought yesterday was There's lots of predictions for the future. None of them seem to be too good. But the only thing we know for sure is that none of us knows what's next for us. Not one of us knows what's next for any of us. We are all facing the question of faith every day. And it's going to get louder for some of us sooner. Keep a finger in 1 Kings 19 and turn with me all the way to the far side of the Bible to 1 Peter chapter 1. In 1 Peter chapter 1, I just want to read a few verses about faith because we're going to talk today about the, we talked last week about the question of faith. Today we're going to talk about the path of faith. And in, in light of Mel's life, who, and I just want to, to encourage you with his testimony all, all through the times that I've met with him since I've been back from sabbatical. Uh, 
he has been rock solid in his confidence that this is the Lord's will and I'm okay with it. I'm good going home. The Lord will take care of my family. Rock solid. And Shelly as well. And it's been so encouraging to bear witness to that and to be in the presence of such faithful souls. But let me encourage you with the words of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. If you're there, please follow along. And listen to what he has to say about faith. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire, the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Your faith is more precious than gold. Your faith is the power of God reaching into your life, holding you for Himself. And so things that sustain and encourage and build up your faith, invest in those things. The payout is going to be bigger because it doesn't matter how much money you got. It doesn't matter how great your Instagram feed has been. When you're in that bed, when it's your turn, you're going to give it all up for the sense of certainty that Mel Bordeaux had. That sense of confidence in his God. So thank you for being here at church and let me encourage you to continue faithfully in this and whatever else you know will strengthen your faith throughout the week. So the question of faith and the subject of faith is a very important one. Now the question of faith invites us to reflect on the path of faith. If we do say, okay, Lord, I'm willing, what next? That puts us on the path of faith. It puts us to follow, following the Lord. It puts us... Uh, to follow Him, to be led by Him, to walk before Him, to keep up with Him. Now the path of faith is what it means to trust in the Lord today. What does it mean He's going to put you there to follow Him? Now there's two things from the story of Elijah here in 1 Kings 19 that I think will help us understand what this means for us. And the first thing is that the path of faith, which is for every single one of us who says, you know what, Lord, I'm willing to follow you. I want to follow you. The path of faith is going to be very personal. It's going to go from where you are. It's going to go from where you are. Where are you? That's what the, uh, that phrase, that, that verse in Hebrews 4 where it says today, put your faith in the Lord today. That's what that is addressing. Where are you in the story of your life? And what makes the question so complicated for each of us is that today is the day that happened after yesterday happened, right? And today is the day that's probably happening before what we have to do tomorrow is going to happen. You know, think about the story of Elijah. Elijah's sitting there before the Lord under that broom tree and he says, I'm done. Because why? Because what was his yesterday? Not just Mount Carmel, but years of solitude. Years of feeling like I'm the only one and I'm hunted. Years of that struggle. And what was his tomorrow going to be? 
Jezebel's assassins hunting him through all the surrounding territories. So the question of faith that came to him today is very poignant, very difficult for him. You know, the question for each one of us, where are we at in our story? Am I willing to follow the Lord after what happened yesterday? Am I willing to follow the Lord after you watch the news for an hour and they tell you about all the things that are probably going to happen in the next year? Are you willing to follow the Lord today? And some, for some of us, right, those yesterdays and those t- tomorrows stretch back further. We've got things that we've done, failures that continue to reverberate and, and haunt us or, or things that people have done to us that continue to afflict us and make the question of faith challenging. And some of us have things as we look into our future, well, frankly, there's going to be some startling things probably for all of us, as well as some things that we can faintly see and we're afraid of those as well that make the question of faith challenging. Wherever you are at today, that is okay. That's okay. That's where the path of faith, though, begins, is where you are. You know, when we say the expression, where, where are you? Where, where are you? Do, you know, where, where are you at? We're kind of saying, how are you doing? That's, that's also this. Where are you at in your story? But just, where are you at? And I think one of the most interesting things about this chapter, 1 Kings 19, is the whole thing is about one guy. Right? We tend to think the Bible and, and God, right? he's, he's interested in big stories and nations and kingdoms clashing and what's going to happen in the, the whole world in the future. Or, and this whole chapter is devoted to one single guy. One guy, where he's at, and his struggles. And, and as I reflected on that, and I think about all the different people that we know about in the Bible, and you can populate this list with some of your own favorites, but I think of, of Hagar, Sarah's handmaiden, and, and her story. I think about Jacob when he's fleeing his father-in-law Laban and he's afraid of meeting his brother Esau. I think about Moses uh, on facing manslaughter charges for 40 years, hiding out from what God has called him to do and everything that he had known. I think of Naomi who had buried a husband and two sons in Moab and was coming back to Israel with, with nothing but shame and grief and, and a daughter-in-law. Think of King David King, and all of his follies and struggles. And think of Elizabeth, Zechariah's wife. Do you remember her in old age hearing the word of the Lord that she was going to uh, have a child and her whole story? All of these people that we hear about? Why, why do we know about these people? None of them are great, significant historical figures. Not even Moses and David. Compared to like Xerxes or Darius in the Persian Empire or Alexander the Great, none of these biblical characters are significant historical figures. None of them are even that great of sterling examples of, of faith in God. All of them have major failures or major Achilles heels in their walk with the Lord. They're not, we don't know of them because of their greatness. I think why we know about them is that because they're people whom God helped. They're examples to all the rest of us, Hagar's and David's and Moses's and Elizabeth's. They're examples to the rest of us that God pays attention to us. He pays attention to us in our story. You know, and I love Elijah's story. It's a great story, but Elijah is not entirely a good example 
But what he is in 1 Kings 19 is an example of how God cares for every one of us and God meets us where we are, even if we're moping under the broom tree and we've given up hope. And then God leads us from there. Trusting the Lord is a personal question. It is a personal thing. You might want to swap out your troubles for somebody else's lack of troubles, or you might want to swap out your lack of opportunities for somebody else's opportunities. But here is where the Lord has you. And here is where the Lord is going to meet you. Are you willing to trust the Lord here today with who you are? And because of the, uh, the tailored approach of the Lord to us, that question might be answered with something big or something small. With a move forward or a move backward. It could be any of these things. Maybe there's some commitment you need to make. Maybe there's some commitment and an idea that you need to let go of. Maybe there's something you need to listen to and hear. Or maybe there's something you need to ask. Look again with me in 1 Kings 19 for just a moment. I want you to just notice the, the path that the Lord has for Elijah after Elijah confesses this, his situation. In verse 5, Elijah lay down and slept under a broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Maybe the step of faith is just as simple for you as saying, Hey, relax. Go lay down. The Lord is in control and is watching over you. And then if you look a little further, verse 7, the angel of the Lord came a second time, touched Elijah and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights. Now, some of us here, the Lord is going to say, Hey, I want you to follow me. And that, that means that you need to chill out and take care of yourself for a sec. And some of us, the Lord's saying, Hey, I want you to follow me and we're going to walk for 40 days and 40 nights together. It's where you are. It's a personal path. The Lord is paying attention to you. The second thing about the path of faith is that it's personal, but it's also, it's also painful in that it's going to take us where we need to go. It's going to take us where we need to go. You know, where do we, where do we need to go? Look at verse 5 of chapter 19 again. And Elijah lay down and slept under the broom tree, and behold, an angel... That's verse, that is verse 5. Verse 4. And Elijah asked that he might die. He said, it's enough now, O Lord. Take away my life. Elijah wants to be dead. Right? His faith, his faith of, uh, you know, hero Israel, the Lord is God, follow him, serve him. That faith is gone. So for him to be willing to trust the Lord today means being willing to turn to the Lord for life. Being willing to turn to the Lord for hope. Being willing to, even though he's in that grave, Already, he's crawled himself in there to come out like Lazarus to the voice of the Lord and come out to the Lord for life and for hope, which can be harder than it sounds like it would be. And it doesn't seem to go the way you would necessarily think. Let me just tell you three brief, very brief stories to give you an example of people who listen to the voice of the Lord and some who don't. Good example, Jesus Christ, literally about to go and die, Struggling with, is this God's will for him, really? What does he say? Nevertheless, not my will, what? But yours be done. 
He's being literally asked to die. I mean, this is literally the invitation to the question of faith. Are you willing to trust me, Jesus? The Father's saying. That will mean you will need to be raised from the dead in just a minute. And Jesus says, not my will, but yours. On the far other side, we have the story of the rich young ruler. This, this guy who comes to Jesus, and you know what the first words out of his mouth? I want to be your disciple. I want to follow you, right? It seems like, boy, yeah, he signed up. Are you willing to trust the Lord today? He's like, oh yeah, that's me. Oh yeah. Jesus is like, okay, did you, have you, you keep the commandments? Oh my goodness, I keep them all the time ever since I was a kid. You keep these ones? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm great. I'm totally, and I told you, Jesus, I'm willing to trust you. Awesome. Jesus says, one thing, one thing. And Jesus says to you, hey, just one thing. You go, oh, what? Sell everything you have and give it to those poor people over there. It says that the rich young ruler walked away very sad because he was very rich. I thought he wanted to trust. See, it's complicated, isn't it? He didn't see his situation clearly. And then in sort of the middle, we have King David. King David, after he'd seen all that God has done for him, some of you know this story, right? He gets into a situation where he kills a man and commits adultery with his wife. He, he does two of the, of the uh, punishable by death sins in Israel. And he gets caught, he gets found out, it becomes front page news. And in Psalm 51, as David is pouring out his soul to the Lord and struggling with this, he says in there, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Which is kind of saying, I don't have it. I need it. I want, I want to be there with you, but I'm really, really struggling. Three different stories of turning towards the Lord. Jesus at his death, he trusted the Lord, the rich young ruler in comfort, couldn't. And David, in his shame and pain, struggled. The path of faith is always toward the Lord for life and away from something else. And that's where we all need to go. Toward the Lord for life. And there's one other place. We need to, where we need to go is we need to go closer to the Lord. Back in 1 Kings 19, verse 8, Elijah arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of, the, of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now I'm going to read verses 9 to 14. So this is a little bit longer and we're, we're going to finish up soon. So follow along with me here. When Elijah came to Horeb, he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said again, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. 
We need to turn to the Lord for life, for hope. We also need to get close to the Lord. In the story of Elijah for where his path went and what he needed, he needed to get so close to the Lord that he could hear the Lord whisper. He needed to get close enough so that he could say what he needed to say and he could hear what he needed to hear. But it seems like he couldn't say that in verse 4 when he said, it's enough, I'm done. He couldn't say what he said in verse 10 until he had taken that journey. He had to say that twice. And he couldn't do that until he had gone through that experience of the Lord's scary presence. Getting close to the Lord and, and following Him on the path of faith is not easy, but it's, it's what we need. It's where we come to know the Lord is to get close to Him, which is what He's calling each one of us to today. I'm going to read a handful of verses. They'll be up on the screen here. This is Isaiah 30. We've been in Isaiah 30, 15. Three verses later, Isaiah 30, 18. The Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore He exalts Himself to show mercy to you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes shall see your teacher, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. This is what the Lord wants to be for us. He wants to lead us, to be behind us, to be before us, to be with us. Psalm 1611, the Lord makes known to us the path of life. In His presence, there's fullness of joy. And at His right hand, are pleasures forevermore. He makes known to us the path. Psalm 139, these are all, these are all passages that I've been referencing uh, as being really significant to me before and during the sabbatical. And they're all about the Lord inviting us to walk closely with Him. There David says, see if there be a grievous way in me and lead me. I need to be led on the everlasting path. Of course, Psalm 23, the Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, the Lord, is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. And you remember this, Jesus says to us in John, Abide in me, Jesus says, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. That's close, isn't it? The kind of relationship the branch has to the vine, we're talking close. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is what the question of faith is inviting us into. The path of faith, of drawing close to the Lord and looking to Him to lead us. This is what the Lord wants to do. So where are you at today? Where are you at today? Wherever you are, The Lord is calling you to Himself. And because of where you are, that next step is not going to be the same for everyone. But hear this, it's going to be something for everyone. 
So maybe you're here and you're like, I'm not much of a Christian, man. I don't, I, it's something for you. And maybe you're here and you're saying, I'm a super Christian. It's definitely something for you if that's what you're saying. It's something for all of us. Are you willing to trust the Lord again today? That is the path of life. That is the path of faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the story of Elijah and his sufferings, his struggles with the question of faith. I hope, Lord, that His example will help all of us to know that not only is this appropriate to struggle with and to think about whether we are willing to trust You today, but it's actually healthy and it's important because it puts us in the right direction. It turns our hearts towards You for life, for hope. And it encourages us, it calls us to walk closer with You. So Holy Spirit, this morning I pray that You would work in our hearts and, and whether, through the, whether through the testimony of Mel, whether through the songs that we've sung, the prayers that have been prayed, the Scripture that's been read, and, and these thoughts reflecting on it, Lord, by some manner, in some way, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would draw all of us closer to the Lord. That you would strengthen our faith in you and help us to walk closer to you as a result. We ask that you would do this now in Jesus' name. Amen.